Thanks to Crymalt. This is Beer as a Conversation. I'm Matt Kirkegaard. This is part two of our three-part conversation with Steve Jeffers and Guy Greenstone, founders of the local tap house, Gabs and the Hottest 100, amongst many other things. In this part, we look at what beers they consider the most influential over the last 10 years. We look at the origins and evolutions of the Hottest 100 and what it means on the beer landscape. And we also look to the early days of the great Australasian beer spectacular and how it morphed into the Gabs Festival that we know today. How that has changed and what they've learned along the way. Enjoy the conversation. Steve Jeffers, Guy Greenstone, part two of the, uh, we've just recharged our glasses and uh, we've got a bit of Weinstefana Dunkel in our glass now, although we chatted so long off mic that we might have to uh, pause again so you guys can top up. Now we, we've talked a little bit about the origins of the local tap house, but one of the things I wanted to ask is, actually there are two things, what are the most influential beers you've seen over the last 10 years? As I said, the tap list out there, some beers weren't even conceived of um, when you started. But what are the beers that have really influenced you or you have seen have influenced the beers that you're putting on? I was going to say Hop Hog. I know it's 10 years. And I know it's, it might be because it's front of mind because of your podcast with Brendan. But Hop Hog, certainly when it came out, was uh, we, were, we were looking for a benchmark IPA. 10 years ago when we opened. I think the very first one we had was uh, Jamison the Beast. That was the, the, the beer that we could get our hands on. Um, but when, when Hop Hog came out, that, uh, that was, was something that uh, stood out at the time and obviously has been around for a long time. I think these days there's so many great IPAs, IPAs out there. I think it's, it's, uh, it doesn't stand out in the same way. I think it's very fondly... Um, uh, remembered or, or or considered by people now and but um certainly that was the beer that stands out for me um for me i think i'd have to go to some classics um i mean while we're drinking a vice of dunkelweiss um you know dunkelweiss and I, I you have to kind of think about some real game changes out there and i, I, I know it sounds ridiculous to say it but one of the beers that i i can't praise highly enough is the pilsner urkel um, it is just an absolute, and it, considering it was like the first Pilsner to ever come on the market, and that Pilsner was a game changer, it kind of started the the pale lager revolution in in some sense. It's a little bit more got a bit more colour and a bit more malt to it than than a typical Pilsner or, or pale lager these days. Um, it's an absolute classic. It still tastes amazing um, when you get it fresh and you get it on tap, and um, and it just, you know, it, it sort of showcases that Sartre's hops like so beautifully. It's just a really beautifully well put together beer and, um, and I love it. And I think, you know, that, uh, you know, there's a few game changing beers. And, and when you think about the revolution that that pale lager created back in the day, I think it's very, very hard to go past that beer. Um, similarly, the Sierra Nevada Pale Ale is a game changing beer. The fact that pale ales and american style pale ales more specifically and then ipas um, which have kind of developed from there uh, have changed the face of uh, craft beer and independent beer 
yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of amazing versions of American style pale ales now, but that was a game changer back when it kind of came um, to the fore, and I think it was late seventies or or early eighties, and um, you know, and, and when tasting it sort of fresh at the source is just incredible. So um, yeah, I, I guess those are just two great examples of, of game changing beers. And I'm going to pin you down. What's an Australian like? What, what's one of the most influential Australian beers that I think you've as soon as he said Sierra Nevada, I just thought, should I should have said Little Creatures? Because Little Creatures predated even in our, in our venues. It was just the store that just uh, was there. Probably more in terms of Australian beers, it was on more than anyone else. Um, so Creatures, and then I guess followed by Hop Hog, and that was probably a reflection of my own tastes and developing palate. But um, yeah, my God, you know, everyone, Creatures has been a seminal beer change. It's been the beer epiphany or epiphany beer for. for I could so carry many on people. like Stone, Stone and Wood Pacific Ale, in more, ab- yeah. absolute I, I was game changer. Chip in and say Pacific Ale because yeah. when it came out, I was underwhelmed by it, and I remember saying to Brad Rogers, "Really, that's it?" You know, when you think of the beers he put out, but then that really pioneered the drinkable. You know, everyone was trying to sort of escalate the. Um, hop bitterness they took the beautiful hop aroma and that that almost predates things like brewed ipas where you're looking at hop aroma and not necessarily the hop bitterness and it's a neeper before neepers were around but it's a it's a instead of an ipa it was just a a, a new england pale ale or, or whatever you want to call a it a session new england pale ale a session new, <laughs> but it was it was a What's game that acronym <laughs> it was Nepa. It was a sneeper. It was it was it was a game changer, and I th- like I always think about uh, that beer um, in Byron Bay, um, coming in off the beach, and this is how they kind of sold it. But I remember actually doing that, coming in off the beach to the beach hotel, having a um, a schooner of um, you know Pacific Ale, and just thinking, wow, like the passion fruit was kind of. Um, kind of explosive in in the smell but it didn't translate into over bitterness it was super drinkable um and it was definitely a game changer for um as far as the australian beer market is concerned and it created uh, a whole new style like this whether you want to call a summer ale or a you know session ale there's this whole category of beers it's not quite an american pale ale not quite a quite a cooper's pale ale not quite a you know anywhere it just sort of sits in between and it's spawned and you guys have the um uh, Four Pines uh, Pacific Ale on today. So talk to me about the thinking with having, you know, like one of these uh, big dirty sellouts on the uh, <laughs> That's a tough one. It was actually some guys from CUB had a private function here and they said, <laughs> <laughs> this is true. And they said, can we get this? And look, we've got a great relationship with Four Pines. Um, we probably wouldn't have necessarily chosen um, the Pacific Ale, but we already had another one of their Four Pines beers coming on and we love the guys from... Uh, uh, Four Pines, you know, Jaron has been um, a great, uh, you know, inspiration um, among um, other things. They've got a great team of really engaged people. Um, I'm not really a big fan of calling a beer Pacific Ale, to be honest. Um, I I don't like it. Um, So it's certainly not, um, you know, I think CUB is probably having a dig at... uh, at Stoner Wood for the fact that they, uh, you know, that they were from CUB originally and then they went out and did their own. This is probably a bit of a FU um, in their face. And, and uh, you know, and, and obviously after the whole court case and all of that, that's, that's the way it goes. And, and um, you know, uh, Thunder Road did it and then, you know, Matilda Bay did it and now Four Pines have done it. So it's obviously, you know, open slather. We would never do it because um, I just, I think that Pacific Ale, is, a, is Stone and Wood's thing and I think it's um, and they deserve to own it because they 
coined it and, and they deserve it, but um, we wouldn't have chosen to put that on tap as any kind of statement. Uh, it was more driven by the fact that there was a CB function here <laughs> in, um, in one of our private rooms. Okay, so we, we've been talking about the local tap house, but you, there's so much has spawned from the, the, the tap house itself. And not long after you opened, you just started a little private poll amongst a couple of your regulars. You know, what was the beer that excited you most for that year? So tell, tell us about the uh, you know, origins of the Hottest 100. Uh, well, it's about 10 years ago, and it's pretty much as you said. I think it, uh, it was around the time, obviously, of the Hottest 100, and, and there was a discussion about oh, what were your favourite beers of the year, and I think in those days, I can't remember. I've, like, I've still got the, the uh, link to the, It was a Survey Monkey link, I think, that uh, we asked uh, staff and customers to, to fill in, and uh, there was no pop-down menus. It was just like, what are the five beers that So came? the first year wasn't even a vote in venue, was it? No, it was still vote online, but oh, we did it via okay. Survey yep. Monkey, and and then poor Justin had to collate all <laughs> of the entries and sift through, like export all the spreadsheet and uh, and all the people get that rid of duplicates. The same beer seven different ways. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, we yeah. didn't have a drop down this year. Like uh, most recently, I think there's I don't know two thousand beers, whatever there is, but uh, we didn't have any beers in there. It was literally think about what your beers were, and as then as now, it was never meant to be taken too seriously. It was, and I still practice the view that uh, what 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 do you quickly remember as being the standout beers of the year? Don't get too scientific about it. You don't need to go to Untapped and download your spreadsheet and figure it out that way. Some people do, and that works for them. But it started out as 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 really as a bit of throwaway fun, and then as you know, it, it we I think for the first three years we used the Survey Monkey thing, and then we graduated to. A program that was written by one of our our stars in Darlo, the Darlo Tap House, and it just grew from there, and it became a lot of fun. Yes, as you would know, there's there's always naysayers, and, and that's fair enough. But uh, I think that the large majority of people who who vote and listen to the countdown and pay any sort of attention to the results, it's uh, a bit of fun, and it becomes something just one reference or one tool that you can use to decide. You know, what are the hot brewers? What are the ones to look out for? What are the hot beers? And um, and that, it's just evolved into this beast that, my God, at the time, we never thought would happen like that. Yeah, and one of the fun things about it is is seeing, you know, going into venues and seeing a printout of the Hottest 100 somewhere and all ticks against all of the different um, beers that they've actually had on tap or have tried or going into a bottle shop and finding people putting a little kind of logo of their own um, that says Hottest 100, this was a Hottest 100 beer, and, and listening to uh, retailers who say, um, you know, I need to get a copy of that so I know what stock and all that sort of stuff. So it, it's actually become a bigger thing than we ever intended it to be. It doesn't matter, but it matters. It, 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 yeah, it's, it's one of those ladies. things. Yeah, and, and it, it, it's, it, it, it's amazing. Like last year, or oh, sorry, this year, we recorded live from Bolter, yeah. and we had a great day, and it was great fun. And then as things started heating up, we hadn't seen Bolter XPA come in and suddenly you start getting world champion surfers wandering in and sitting, and none of whom we teed up. And suddenly we've got, you know, sort of Paco and we've got, you know, so then Mick Fanning turns up and wants to have a chat talking about it and they were just so excited and they were genuinely thrilled. And that's true of just about every brewer we've spoken to. They really care about that thing and it, it, it's almost as much um 
it's really nice to get AIBA medals and, and have a qualitative, you know, someone say, yes, your beer is a gold medal standard beer. But to have people say they love your beer and I'm willing to take the time to vote for your beer seems to be so much more. Well, MC certainly said from Pyro Life, I think three years ago, when they kind of came from nowhere and, and dominated, is that uh, he said, and we quoted, I think, in the media release when we announced the results, that... Uh, he, he he it was far more important for him and for, for pirate life to to uh, to achieve what they did in the hottest 100 than any any peer judge like it's nice as you say but for him it was all about the fact that there were enough beer fans out there that voted for them and then they saw a massive spike in in uh, sales um, which um, is, is, is is a nice thing I think from mine I, I in the old days, in the first three or four years, or maybe even five years, there was a greater variety of styles. Like, there's a part of me that that wishes that there were a greater, a broader spectrum of styles and flavors that were represented in the top 100. Which is one of the reasons that we came up with the other 100, which is that 101 to 200, to to showcase uh, some of those other breweries, beers, styles that don't make the hottest 100. Because as you but know, but it's still great beers, and it's all pop, pop, it's pop, all pop. about the hops really in the hottest 100. And pale ales it's all about pale ales and IPAs. And and if you're a lager or non-pale ale IPA and you're making the top 100, you're exceptional. <laughs> you know what I mean? This year I sort of uh, kicking around with Prof and I said that there there's a metric, it's yes. reach versus hype squared. Yes. Um, or distribution versus hype squared. Yeah. And if you're a lager that's getting into the anywhere in the hot, hottest 100. Or a milk it, stout. Or a milk like, stout or just something yeah. like a traditional style yeah. that's getting in there. That's almost, you know, like you can almost sort of take a digit off the um, uh, the, the, the front and bump yourself Absolutely, up. Absolutely, you're bang on. And, and it's it, like, like Steve, you know, you'd love it to be a whole range and you'd love to have 20 different styles in that top 100 or the hot 100, but the reality is it, it kind of, it's a popularity contest and people love pale ales and they love IPAs, so it is what it is. And as more produced, they've kind of just, they kind of just overwhelmed the poll and so as i said that's kind of why we did the other 100 to give those people who are looking for some something else to see where they those other beer styles ranked now we're going to have a teaser because i'm going to come back to this idea of hops and pale ales and things like that so listeners keep listening but the the hottest 100 was an accident like you you had an idea we'll do something most of what we do is an accident <laughs> well, but, but, and, and that's where Happily, i was going most with of those accidents work out but but so much of what you've done, you've started something, you've seen a response, and then you've backed yourself 110%. So you've done that with the, the hottest 100. Then you also did that, I'm pretty sure that I was down for one of the first um, Great Australian Beer Spectaculars, where you had the tap takeover down here. Um, you, you, you were sort of sit, I remember sitting out here, spending a day, just having a couple of one-off beers and a bit of a celebration. And it went from taking over this venue to going, fuck it. Let's book the Melbourne uh, Exhibition Building. The Royal Exhibition Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the Royal Exhibition Building. You know, talk, talk me through where, you know, the, the, the risks that you guys are willing to take. And is it design or is it accident or is it just going, look, I can see something that we've done? Sometimes when you look back on it, you go, if I knew now... Uh, if I knew then what I know now, I would never have taken that risk. But sometimes you just take that risk and um, and you go with it. And uh, and then, you know, sometimes it doesn't always work out. But in the long term, for us, luckily, it has. So um, 
we, we, we've taken a couple of big risks and sometimes we probably were um, lucky enough that we didn't know what we didn't know because had we known, we may not have taken that risk. But we did and, uh, and, and things have worked out. So we, we kind of, it's a little bit of luck and a little bit of um, right, right place, right time and a little bit of just intuition, just saying this is something that we feel we can do and we want to do. And, um, and, and a couple of times we've had to have pretty hard conversations where we've looked at each other in the... And our wives. <laughs> yeah, and, and we've looked at each other and all four of us have gone, you know, are we actually willing to go again? Because if we get it wrong a second time, we might not be here to tell the to- tale. But, but it's interesting you say that because the first time you did Gabs, it was a spectacular event, but you got caned for a whole lot of things. Um, and Deservedly so in a lot of ways. Uh, well... Oh, I think. I, I, I think people forget, and I don't mean to sort of defend you guys, like, you know... But people forget that when anything that's pop up, you don't know whether five people are going to come or whether 10,000 people are going to come. And you've got to cater so nobody's disappointed. And you had issues with lines, you know, with the, the, the lines. There's a whole lot that went wrong. But there was a huge setup that you guys had had. And I also remember that on the first day of the first session of Gab's at the Royal Exhibition Building, by the second session, things were better. And by day two, you know, the, the, the problem was to some extent solved. Oh, I think uh, you're thinking, looking through rose-tinted glasses because, no, okay. like, for some crazy reason, we thought we'd do five sessions over three days. Well, that's something we'd never do again in hindsight. Just we would, we would build up to it. So, um, as we've done subsequently with Sydney and, and Ste- Auckland. Steve's, Steve's never been one to um, think small. <laughs> He's a think big kind of guy. So, so we, we, yeah, so we did the, th- the three days, five sessions, and we had this idea that it would be really cool because i think there was 58 festival beers made just for the event and we thought we'd create a system where people could go from one end of the bar to the other and kind of get a sample of whatever they wanted along the way it kind of worked until it got busy and when it when it got busy it completely broke down and i clearly remember walking up these very long queues with two tasting paddles and apologizing to everyone and and saying listen get two paddles at a time because (laughs) you don't want to come back into this queue again um and i I tell often this story to people is that I went into a dark recessed corridor hallway of the stairwell I f- I found of the there. Royal Exhibition Building and I was lying on the cold concrete staring at the ceiling on the landing. No one else was around. It was a private kind of locked. The staircase was locked. And I just thought, fuck, what have we done? This is uh, a disaster. And we lost about a quarter of a million bucks or more in that first year. More. And 350. 350. And we weren't in a position to really do that and we were... Very this is why I love having beers because <laughs> I'm not sure that's a figure that would have dropped had we not been having Maybe beers. Maybe not, but it was a, it was a. We almost lost everything. Like we didn't have that kind of money to lose. Um, we kind of were trying to cash flow it ourselves, and um, and I remember finding Steve on the ground, and um, whether it was naivety or just the eternal optimism, I was just come on Steve like, this is okay, we'll be fine. Steve is much more involved on the social media side of things, so he was watching Twitter and, uh, and everything else. Sensitive. Getting um, you know, us getting hammered, and I was like, yeah, but there's a lot of happy people as well, and uh, you know we've 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 had a crack, and people are going to be pretty forgiving. So um, we we had a we had a crack, and uh, the the most important thing, and I think this has endured um, for us, maybe because it was a really really hard lesson that very first time, is the feedback that we've got along the way um, from every single person that will that will even give us feedback because we ask for feedback from everyone. We take that feedback on board 
and we um, and what we do is is, is we improve, and uh, that's that's the one thing that I think has uh, has been constant in our eight year journey so far is that we always tweak to improve, and we will never ever ever just not do things to get better. But th- th- this was exactly where I was going with that. You, you started, and it was I wouldn't say disastrous, but it was pretty hard and the feedback was unforgiving and then every session there were improvements made and then the next year there's big improvements made and that's that's one of the things that people have responded to to some extent but at the same time it was a big move to move from here to that venue it's what we've done it's what i think it's in part of who we are is that we're not afraid to take risks like we, we opened the bottle shop and it failed cost us a lot of money um we're not afraid to try things. Um, we get better at kind of asset or, or determining the risk benefit, I guess, in, in, in before we make some decisions. And that's just experience. But I'm like, even now, like there's, God, there's probably a, a long list of things that we hope to do or will do. Um, it doesn't seem to shrink. We just are, are kind of not afraid to, to take those risks. And with Gab's it was it was nuts like just crazy but it's no one kind of is 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 no one's driving us more than we are ourselves like we we seek feedback constructive feedback far and wide and when we get that i would say 90 95% of those things that we get are probably on our own list yeah we've already There's, we've we, already come I, up I've, with that you know we've got lists of notes before first sessions over and then it gets extended and it's extended beyond that. And Guy and I will sit down and we'll write notes all the time. And and um, that's the thing that whether it's the tap house or stomping ground, we're driving ourselves more than anyone else. And um, we've got intuition. Obviously, we've developed intuition over 10 or 12 years in the game. But um, that's that's the thing. And, and we want to have fun. Like... It's not fun losing three hundred fifty thousand dollars when you've got. But you also don't look like you're having fun. Like every year, <laughs> I've, I've wanted to catch up with one of you. It's not fun at the at, time. I at, can tell at, you. At, at, at the uh, <laughs> at the event, and I can never get you because you've got everyone, and, and you are even this far into it. You are incredibly hands on, and how do you keep that going? And you know, do you have to? At what stage can you stand back? We're, we're and actually enjoy at a bit event? of a turning point at the moment, um, and. So first of all, let me take a step back to the very first one. You said, how do we go from here to the Royal Exhibition Building? And one of the things that gave us the impetus to do that was a meeting with a bloke called Craig Williams, who was working for Fairfax Media at the time. And we... And the age. And, age. Um, and he, was, he was part of their sponsorship team. He was, he was their sponsorship team, in fact. And, um, so we, you stole him. So, well, <laughs> years and years later. But w- what happened was we met with him. We pitched the idea to him. He loved it. We walked out of there going, I think that was a good meeting. And uh, he, he came back to us and said that they were willing to um, back us and that they were willing to give us a whole bunch of contra um, advertising in, in their papers, um, but they wanted a clip of the ticket. And being relatively naive and not knowing very much about it, we um, agreed to it. Um, and, uh, and that kind of gave us the, the impetus to go. We originally had it pegged as a one-day event, 4,000 people, and that was it. But we walked away from that going, well, with that sort of backing, because it was big numbers that he was talking about, Contra advertising, we thought with that, we can go bigger. We can go five, we can go five sessions, we can go three days. And we ended up selling 10,000 tickets or getting 10,000 people to the event, um, which was more than double what we had actually envisaged. Despite, and, and that's why 
our queues <laughs> got smashed and all that sort of stuff, which was we're kind of almost a victim of of the success of the event and 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 putting ourselves out there. But um, years and years later. Um, in fact, this is, he's now done two events for us. Craig Williams has come on board as our event director and he kept in touch with us the entire time, even after they became a partner no longer. And uh, we always had a great relationship with him. And when we were looking to find somebody to supplement our work, he was uh, the logical choice. And, and we interviewed him and he was right ready to go and... And he's been an absolute breath of fresh air for the two of us and, and has, I keep telling him he's changed my life. Um, you know, I don't want to tell him too much because, you know, <laughs> but uh, he's definitely changed because it was, for us, we used to do it from November till just after the event and it would almost kill us. And it's, and it, you know, there was a couple of years there where I just thought, I don't know if I can do this anymore because I'm going to die. I will actually die. I'm sitting here feeling terrible for all of the hard times I gave you for because uh, <laughs> uh, uh, after the first one, like all of the feedback was there was all this beer brewed, and suddenly the market has is awash with these one-off beers that that, that that are killing breweries. And uh, but but you've created something that is special and uh, and amazing, and like you. you Anyone that's walked in that... Venue. I remember that conversation with you. I was like begging you. I was saying, Matt, you don't understand. We had no idea. We didn't realise we were going to create a flood in the market. And, 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 and I didn't. But then again, there was also... I was right. But the, the point is that you changed it. Mm. Oh, yeah, well, no. Yeah. Like, it, it was one of those first year things where you learn and you change and you amend as you go along. And, it, and it's been an amazing... And, Brewers are lining up to be part of it. And I also look at, you know, Prof loves to say the first year brewers turned up with card tables. Um, and then you've got people like Craft and Co turning up or um, HP Propac turning up with their brewery. And the fit-outs this year were just astounding. You, you look at the installations in that, in that hall and that building could almost have been built for a beer festival. Yeah, it is. Uh, that's what I'm really proud of the fact. Garage Project changed the scene we went to Biavana probably the time I went there with you so and I, I saw actually you think there. it was um, I, I want to say Pirate Life but it wasn't it was Pistons and Panhead Panhead it was Panhead no, I reckon it was before no, the definitely. Oh, really? project changed the game okay. they, they changed that's the game that's what I remember is that we went over there to Biavana and they just really stood out as being creative and doing something a little different and then they obviously came to Gabs and I just think they um, played a pivotal role in raising um, raising the, the bar, raising the bar, so to speak, as uh, and encouraging other people. You didn't have to spend a shitload of money. They weren't necessarily doing that, but they were just being creative. And the idea of bringing a trestle table and your and your jockey box along just didn't cut it anymore. And I think that um, even now, I think you don't need to spend lots of money, despite what some brewers I think think is that you just need to be creative. And I think. It's so fantastic. Yeah, it's good for the event. It's good for the brewers. It's good for everybody that um, people are stepping up. And I've, I try to go to a lot of the beer festivals around the world to get inspiration and learn ideas. And I still haven't come across a, a, an event yet that, that showcases breweries and stands in the way that Gabs does. And I, uh, I'd go a step further, Stephen. I'd say that it, um, Garage Project was certainly the catalyst. But I'd say that Kiwi Brewers coming over and uh, showcasing their wares um, were a pivotal part of the whole um, equation. They, they seemed to get it 
a lot more than our local brewers and I think they help lift the stakes and um, and and sort of stand up and, and, and do something creative. And I think um, – and I'm really, really proud of the fact that we changed it from the very first year when it was a great Australian beer spectacular to the great Australasian beer spectacular and brought the Kiwis in because – um, they were a fair bit ahead of us in terms of their beer culture and we've caught up to a large extent since then but they brought a, a very special element to it when it came to the cr- their creativity and uh, and that sort of thing and I think that they've um, you know I, and I'm really thrilled that, that they have and the fact that we that's why when we went to Auckland it was a pretty logical choice because we already had that Kiwi cross Tasman connection and um, you know, and there's so much camaraderie um, between the two countries that it's uh, it's a fantastic thing to be able to showcase their beers and then um, and you know and, and then be able to go over there and showcase their beers plus a couple of Aussie beers as well. The only downside of the growth of Gabs is like I, I, I struggle in crowds. Like I, I just sort of go down there. And you, you you can't. It takes me half an hour to cross the floor to get a beer because like they're all of the brewers. So I used to hide up on that top level, and I ended up grabbing a table and grabbing a chair and then everyone would gradually wander up to see Prof uh, in, in the uh, beer school or in the um, craft, craft, college. craft beer college. And uh, so I, I would grab them. And now you've taken over that whole top floor <laughs> so there's no there's air no for space. me to hide. <laughs> so I need to find somewhere where I can hide and just have these nice, quiet little There's apparently, like I've never actually been up there after all these years, but there's apparently a, a staircase that goes all the way up to the... Uh, up to the dome, maybe we could uh, Even sit better. you like Waldorf and Statler, right? The Bruce Hughes Belfry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> something <laughs> so like that, that you can look down on everyone. Belfry, okay. Yeah, the bell gets loud. Okay, that, that sounds good. And that was Steve Jeffers and Guy Greenstone. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. And we look forward to another conversation next week. Music